0: Chapter 3 of The Blind Musician. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Blind Musician by Vladimir Korolenko. Chapter 3 The First Friendship. Part 1 in pursuance of the system which by maxime's influence had been established the blind boy had as far as possible been left to his own resources and from this system the best results had ensued in the house he showed no signs of helplessness but moved from place to place without faltering took care of his own room and kept his belongings and his toys in order neither did maxime by any means neglect physical exercises the boy had his regular gymnastics and in his sixth year maxime presented his nephew with a gentle little horse at first the mother could not believe it possible that her blind child could ride on horseback and she called her brother's scheme perfect madness but the old soldier exerted his utmost influence and in two or three months The boy was galloping merrily side by side with joachim who directed him only at turnings thus blindness proved no drawback to systematic physical development while its influence over the moral nature of the child was reduced to its minimum he was tall for his age and well built his face was somewhat pale his features fine and expressive his dark hair enhanced the pallid hue of his complexion while his eyes large dark and almost motionless gave him a peculiar aspect that at once attracted attention a slight wrinkle between his eyebrows a habit of inclining his head slightly forward and the expression of sadness that sometimes overcast his handsome face these were the outward tokens of his blindness when surrounded by familiar objects he moved readily and without restraint but still it was evident that his instinctive vivacity was repressed, and it was only by certain fitful outbursts of nervous excitement that it was ever manifested. Part Two The impressions received through the channels of sound outweighed all others in their influence over the life of the blind boy. His ideas shaped themselves according to sounds, his sense of hearing became the centre of his mental activity the enchanting melodies of the songs he heard conveyed to him a true sense of the words colouring them with sadness or joy according to the lights and shades of the melody with still closer attention he listened to the voices of nature and by uniting these confused impressions with the familiar melodies he sometimes produced a free improvisation in which it was difficult to distinguish just where the national and familiar air ended and the work of the composer began he himself was unable to distinguish these two elements in his songs so inseparably were the two united within him he quickly learned all his mother taught him on the piano and yet he still loved joachim's pipe the tones of the piano were richer deeper and more brilliant but the instrument was stationary whereas the pipe he could carry with him into the fields and its modulations were so indistinguishably blended with the gentle size of the step that at times petruchia could not tell whether those vague fancies were wafted on the wind or whether it was he himself who drew them from his pipe petruchia's enthusiasm for music became the centre of his mental growth it absorbed his mind and lent variety to his quiet life Maxime availed himself of it to make the boy acquainted with the history of his native land and like a vast network of sounds the procession filed before the imagination of the blind boy touched by the song he learned to know the heroes of whom it sung and to feel a concern for their fate and for the destiny of his country this was the beginning of his interest in literature and when he was nine years old maxime began his first lessons he had been studying the methods used in the instruction of the blind and the boy showed great delight in the lessons they introduced into his nature the new elements of precision and clearness which served to counterbalance the undefined sensations excited by music thus the boy's day was filled he could not complain of the lack of new impressions he seemed to be living as full a life as any child could possibly live in fact he really seemed unconscious of his blindness nevertheless a certain premature sadness was still perceptible in his character which maxime ascribed to the fact that he had never mingled with other children and endeavoured to atone for this omission the village boys who were invited to the mansion were timid and constrained not only the unusual surroundings but the blindness of the little pan intimidated them they would glance timidly at him and then crowding together would whisper to one another when the children were left alone either in the garden or in the field they grew bolder and began to play games but somehow it always ended in the blind boy being left out listening sadly to the merry shouts of his playmates now and then Joachim would gather the children about him and repeat comical old proverbs and tell them fairy tales the village children perfectly familiar with the somewhat stupid hohal devil and the roguish witches supplemented jochim's tales from the stores of their own knowledge and the conversations ensuing were generally quite lively The blind boy listened to them with great interest and attention, but rarely laughed. He seemed incapable of comprehending the humor in the speeches and stories he heard, and this was not surprising, since he could neither see the merry twinkle in the eyes of the speakers, nor the comical wrinkles, nor the twitching of the long mustaches. Part three not long before the period to which our story relates the possessor of the neighbouring estate had been changed the former neighbour who had managed to engage in a lawsuit even with the taciturn pan popelski in consequence of some damage caused to the fields had been replaced by the old man yaskulski and his wife although the united ages of this couple amounted to one hundred years their marriage had been celebrated but recently because yakub was for a long time unable to procure the sum required for hiring an estate and thus was forced to act as overseer of one estate after another while pania Agnieszka spent her period of waiting as a sort of companion in the family of the countess n when at last the happy moment arrived and the bride and bridegroom stood hand in hand in the church the hair of the handsome bridegroom was fairly grey and the timid blushing face of the bride was likewise framed in silvery locks this circumstance however by no means marred the married happiness of the somewhat late wedded pair and the fruit of their love was an only daughter about the age of the blind boy having won for themselves a domestic shelter where under certain conditions they had a right to full control this elderly couple began a peaceful and quiet existence which seemed like a compensation for the hard years of toil and anxiety which they had passed in other folks houses their first lease was a failure and they had started anew on a somewhat smaller scale but in this new abode they had at once arranged things to suit themselves in the corner occupied by the images decorated with ivy sacred palm and a wax taper the old lady kept bags filled with herbs and roots by whose aid she doctored her husband as well as the peasants who came to consult her these herbs would fill the hut with a peculiarly characteristic fragrance associated in the minds of the villagers with their memory of that neat and quiet little house With the two old persons who dwelt therein and whose placid existence offered so unusual a spectacle in times like these meanwhile the only daughter of this elderly pair was growing up in their companionship a girl with long brown tresses and blue eyes who straightway impressed every one that saw her with the uncommon maturity of her face it seemed as if the calm love of the parents finding fruition so late in life, had been reflected in their daughter's nature by a mature judgment, a quiet deliberation in all her movements, and a certain pensive expression in the depths of her blue eyes. She was never shy with strangers, willingly made the acquaintance of children and took part in their games, which was done, however, with an air of condescension, as if she herself really felt no interest in the matter. She was, in fact, quite happy in her own society, walking, gathering flowers, talking to her doll, and all so demurely that one felt as if in the presence of a grown-up woman rather than in that of a child. Part Four one evening Petrusha was sitting alone on the hillock above the river the sun was setting the air was still and only the tranquil far-away sound of the lowing herds returning to the village reached his ear the boy had but just ceased playing and had thrown himself on the grass yielding to the half-dreamy languor of a summer evening he had been dozing for a minute when he was roused by a light footstep with a look of annoyance he rose on his elbow and listened at the foot of the hill the unfamiliar steps paused he did not recognize them boy he heard a child's voice exclaim do you know who it was that was playing here just now the blind boy disliked to have his solitude disturbed therefore his answer to the question was given in no amiable tone it was i a slight exclamation of surprise greeted the statement and directly the girl's voice added with the utmost simplicity and in tones of approval how well you play the blind boy made no reply why don't you go away he asked presently when he perceived that his unwelcome visitor had not left the spot why do you drive me away asked the girl and her clear tones expressed genuine surprise the tranquil sound of the child's voice was grateful to the blind boy's ear nevertheless he answered in his former tone i don't like to have people come here the girl burst into a peal of laughter really what a strange idea is this all your land and have you the right to forbid other people to walk upon it mamma has given orders that no one shall come here your mamma asked the girl thoughtfully but my mamma allowed me to walk over the river the boy somewhat spoiled by the universal submission to his wishes was not used to such persistency an angry flush swept like a wave over his face and half rising he exclaimed rapidly and excitedly go away Go away! Go away! It is impossible to tell how this scene would have ended, for just then Hyoheen's voice sounded from the direction of the mansion, calling the boy to tea, and he ran quickly down the hill. Ah, what a hateful boy! was the indignant exclamation he heard follow him. The next day, while he was sitting on the very same spot, yesterday's adventure came to his mind now this memory excited no vexation on the contrary he wished that the girl with the quiet tranquil voice such as he had never heard before would come back again all the children that he knew shouted laughed fought and cried noisily not one had such a pleasant voice he felt sorry to have offended the stranger who probably would never return the girl indeed did not return for three whole days but on the fourth day Petrusha heard her steps below on the river's bank she was walking slowly humming something to herself in a low voice and apparently paying no attention to him wait a moment he called out when he perceived that she was going past is that you again the girl at first made no reply For her feelings had been hurt by her former reception but suddenly it seemed to occur to her that there was something strange in the boy's question and she paused can't you see that it is i she asked with much dignity as she went on arranging a nosegay of wild flowers which she held in her hand this simple question sent a thrill of pain through the heart of the blind boy he threw himself back on the grass and made no reply but the conversation had been started and the girl still standing on the same spot and busying herself with her flowers asked again who taught you to play so well on the pipe Joachim taught me replied Patricia,You you do play very well only why are you so cross i am not cross with you replied the boy gently well then neither am i let us play together i don't know how to play with you he replied hanging his head don't know how to play why not because tell me why because he replied scarce audibly and dropped his head still lower never before had he been obliged to speak of his blindness and the innocent tone of the voice of the girl Who asked this question with such artless persistency produced a painful impression upon him how odd you are she said with compassionate condescension seating herself beside him on the grass it must be because you are not acquainted with me when you know me better you will no longer be afraid of me now i am not afraid of anybody she said this with careless simplicity As she played with her cornflowers and violets meanwhile the blind boy had accepted her challenge to more intimate acquaintance and as he knew but one way of learning to know a person's face he naturally had recourse to his usual method grasping the girl's shoulder with one hand he began with the other to feel of her hair and her eyelashes he passed his fingers swiftly over her face pausing occasionally to study the unfamiliar features with deep attention all this was so unexpected and done with such rapidity that the girl in her utter amazement never opened her lips she only looked at him with wide-open eyes in which could be seen a feeling akin to horror not until now had she noticed anything unusual in the face of her new acquaintance the pale and delicately cut features of the boy were rigid with a look of constrained attention which seemed in some way incongruous with his fixed gaze his eyes looked straight ahead without any apparent relation to what he was doing and in them shone a strange reflection from the setting sun for a moment the girl felt as if it were some dreadful nightmare releasing her shoulder from the boy's hand she suddenly sprang to her feet and burst into a flood of tears what are you doing to me you naughty boy she exclaimed angrily through her tears why do you touch me what have i done to you why confused as he was he remained sitting on the same spot with drooping head while a strange feeling of mingled anger and vexation filled his heart with burning pain now for the first time he felt the degradation of a cripple for the first time he learned that his physical defect might inspire alarm as well as pity although he had no power to formulate the sense of heaviness that oppressed him he suffered none the less because this feeling was dim and confused a sense of burning pain and bitter resentment swelled the boy's throat he threw himself down on the grass and wept As the weeping increased convulsive sobs shook his little frame the more violently because his innate pride made him struggle to repress this outburst the girl who had scarcely reached the foot of the hill hearing those stifled sobs turned in amazement when she saw that odd new acquaintance of hers lying face downward on the ground crying so bitterly she felt a sympathy for him and climbing the hill again she stood over the weeping boy what is it she said why are you crying perhaps you think that i shall complain don't cry i shall not say a word to anyone these words of sympathy and the caressing voice excited a still more violent fit of sobbing then the girl sitting down beside the boy devoted herself to the task of comforting him passing her hand gently over his hair with an instinct purely feminine and a gentle persistency she raised his head and wiped the tears from his eyes like a mother who tries to comfort her grieving child there there i am no longer vexed she said in the soothing tone of a grown-up woman i see you are sorry to have frightened me i did not mean to frighten you he replied drawing a long breath in his efforts to repress his nervous sobs well it is all right now i am no longer angry you will never do it again she added raising him from the ground and trying to make him sit down beside her Petrusha yielded again he sat facing the sunset and when the girl saw his face lighted by the crimson rays she was impressed by its unusual expression the tears were still standing in the boy's eyes which were as before immovable while his features were twitching convulsively with childlike sobs all the signs of a deep sorrow such as a mature nature might feel were evident how queer you
1: are really
0: she said with thoughtful sympathy
1: i am not queer
0: replied the boy with a pitiful look no i am not queer I am blind blind she repeated prolonging the word in her surprise while her voice trembled as though that sad word softly uttered by the boy had given a heavy blow to her womanly little heart blind she repeated again her voice trembled still more and then as though seeking a refuge from the uncontrollable sense of misery that had come over her she suddenly threw her arms around the boy's neck and hid her face on his breast this sad discovery taking her entirely by surprise had instantly changed the self-composed little woman to a grieved and helpless child who in her turn wept bitterly and inconsolably part five meanwhile the sun revolving as it were in the glowing atmosphere vanished below the dark line of the horizon for a moment the golden rim of the fiery ball had lingered on the edge leaving two or three burning sparks behind and then the dark outlines of the distant forest became at once defined by an uninterrupted blue line the wind blew fresh from the river the girl had ceased crying only now and then a sob would break forth in spite of her Petruchia sat with bowed head, as if hardly able to comprehend so lively an expression of sympathy. "'I am sorry,' she said at last, by way of explaining her weakness, but her voice was still broken by sobs. Then, after a short silence, having partially regained her self-control, she made an attempt to change the conversation to some topic of which they could both speak with composure. "'The sun has set,' she said thoughtfully. "'I don't know how it looks,' was the mournful reply. "'I only feel it.' "'You don't know the sun?'
1: "'No.'
0: "'And you don't know your mamma either?' "'Yes, I know mamma. I can tell her step from a distance.' "'Yes, of course you can. I can tell my mother when my eyes are shut.' The conversation had assumed a less agitating tone. "'I can feel the sun,' said the blind boy, growing more animated. "'And I can tell when it is set.' "'How can you tell?' "'Because—don't you see? I can't tell why myself.' "'Yes,' said the girl, and she seemed quite satisfied with this reply, and both were silent. "'I can read,' Patricia was the first to break the silence, "'and I shall soon begin to learn to write with a pen.' how do you manage she inquired and suddenly paused abashed reluctant to pursue the delicate subject but he understood her i read from my own book with my fingers he explained with your fingers i could never learn to read with my fingers i read poorly enough with my eyes my father says that it is difficult for women to learn and i can even read french how clever you are she exclaimed admiringly. But I am afraid that you will take cold, she added, seeing how the fog is rising over the river. And you yourself? I am not afraid. What harm can it do me?
1: Neither am I afraid. Could a man possibly take cold more easily than a woman? Uncle Maxime says a man must never fear anything, neither cold nor hunger, nor the thunderbolt, nor the hurricane. Maxime,
0: the one on crutches i have seen him he is terrible no indeed he is very kind no he is terrible she persisted you cannot know because you never saw him i
1: do know him he teaches me everything does he beat you never he never beats me or screams at me never
0: well i am glad of that how could anybody strike a blind boy it would be a sin he never strikes any one said Patricia in an abstracted tone of voice for his sensitive ear had caught the sound of joachim's steps in fact the tall figure of the hahal appeared a moment later on the summit of the rising ground that separated the estate from the shore and his voice resounded through the tranquil evening air Panich they are calling you said the girl rising i know it but i don't want to go oh yes do go i will come see you tomorrow. they are waiting for you now and for me too the girl was faithful to her promise and appeared even earlier than Patricia could have expected her the next day as he was sitting in his room at his daily lesson with maxine he suddenly raised his head listened, and exclaimed eagerly, "'May I go for a minute? The girl has come!' "'What girl do you mean?' inquired Maxime, as he followed the boy out of the door. Petrusha's acquaintance of yesterday had in fact entered the yard of the mansion at that very moment, and on seeing Anna Mikhailovna, who was in the act of crossing it, deliberately went up to her. "'What do you wish, dear child?' asked the former, supposing that she had been sent on some errand the little woman offered her hand as she demurely inquired are you the mother of the blind boy yes yes my dear replied pani popelska admiring the girl's clear eyes and the ease of her manners well mama gave me permission to come to see him may i see him at that moment Petrusha himself ran up to her and behind him in the vestibule appeared maxime that's yesterday's girl mama the one i told you of exclaimed the boy as he greeted the child but i am taking my lesson now well uncle maxime will excuse you this time said anna mikhailovna i will ask him meanwhile the little woman perfectly at home approached maxime who was advancing toward her with his crutch and cane and extending her hand remarked with the most gracious condescension. "'It is very good of you not to strike a blind boy. He has told me of it.' "'Indeed, my young lady,' exclaimed Maxime, with a comical affectation of gravity, clasping between his own broad palms the girl's tiny hand.
1: "'How grateful I ought to be to my pupil that he won your good will in my behalf!'
0: and Maxime laughed as he patted the hand he retained in his own. Meanwhile the girl stood looking at him, with her clear, open gaze, which completely subjugated his woman-hating heart. "'Well,
1: Anusha, said Maxime to his sister with a quizzical smile, "'it seems that our Peter is beginning to choose his own friends, and you cannot deny, Anya, that he has made a good choice, even though he is blind.' has he not
0: what do you mean max asked the young woman gravely as the color mounted to her cheeks i was only joking replied the brother briefly perceiving that his sally had touched a sensitive chord which responding revealed a hidden thought in the maternal heart anna mikhailovna blushed still more deeply she stooped hastily and with a sudden passionate tenderness Embraced the girl, who received this unexpected and impulsive caress with her usual serene, though slightly surprised expression. Part six. From that day, the closest intimacy was established between the Popelsky mansion and the home of the possessor. The girl, whose name was Evelyn, came every day to the mansion, and in a short time, she too became uncle maxime's pupil at first this plan of companionship and study did not meet with pan yaskulski's approval in the first place he thought that a woman needed no more education than would enable her to keep a memorandum of the soiled linen and an account of her own expenses in the second place he was a good catholic and believed that Maxime had committed a sin in fighting the austrians in defiance of the clearly expressed admonition of the father pope finally he firmly believed that there was a god in heaven and that voltaire and his followers were plunged in fiery pitch a fate which also as many believed was in waiting for pan Maxime. however as he grew to know him more intimately he was obliged to admit that this heretic and fighter was a very good-natured and clever man, and so the possessor compromised the matter. "'Let me tell you this, Velia,' he said, addressing his daughter, as he was on the point of leaving her to take her first lesson from Maxime. "'Never
1: forget that there is a God in Heaven and a Holy Father in Rome. I, Valentin Yaskulski, say this to you, and you must believe me, because I am your father, that for Primo. Second all, I am a Polish nobleman, and on my coat of arms, together with the Hayrick and the crow, is a cross on an Azure field. The Yaskulskis were ever good knights, and at the same time they were not ignorant concerning religious matters, and for that reason also you must believe me but in regard to all subjects relating to orbus terrarum you are to respect what pan maxime yatsenko tells you and study faithfully do not fear pan valentine retorted maxime smiling we do not draft little panis into garibaldi's regiment part 7
0: both children profited by this companionship and study Although Petrusha was farther advanced, there was still an opportunity for competition. Moreover, he could often help his new friend about her lessons, and she was very successful in devising methods of explanation in regard to subjects which were naturally difficult for a blind boy to comprehend. Her society had introduced a new element into his studies, contributing a pleasing excitement to his mental labors taking it all in all fate had certainly proved propitious in this gift of friendship the boy no longer sought solitude he had found that congenial companionship which the love of older people had not afforded and in moments when his little soul was most peaceful he was glad to have his friend near him they always went together to the cliff or to the river bank when he played she listened with genuine delight and after he had laid his pipe aside she would describe in her vivid childlike way the various objects in nature that surrounded them she could not of course picture them with absolute fidelity but from her simple description the boy gained a very clear idea of the characteristic colouring of every phenomenon which she described thus for instance when she spoke of the darkness with which the black and misty night shrouded the earth he formed a conception of this same darkness from the low tones of her timid voice then again as she raised her serious face and said to him ah what a cloud is coming toward us a very dark cloud he seemed directly to feel its cold blast and in her voice he fancied the rustling sound of the creeping monster advancing threateningly upon him far above his head End of chapter 3 Recording by Skyasimaru, Simaru Mililani, Hawaii November 2020